Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Amen. Well, welcome to Torah study. God bless you for your faithfulness. I'm Pastor Scott. We're uh, in uh, our Torah portion study number 48 today in Deuteronomy 16 through Deuteronomy 21. And uh, it's, uh, the message today is entitled, How God Describes Biblical Citizenship. Since Pastor Troy has come uh, to join us as part of the fellowship and leadership, uh, he brought with him some incredible insight and wisdom and teaching on uh, the meaning and value of biblical citizenship. And all of that dovetails so beautifully uh, with what God shows us today. And uh, just kind of as a preface to the teaching today, uh, this study is typically the first study that we read during the 40-day season of the shofar, the 40 days uh, of Elul, the Hebrew month of Elul, which means searching. Elul means to search. Uh, and then into the ten days of all the high holidays of Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, the Feast of Trumpets, and also Yom Kippur, that's the final of the 40 days, Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. And, uh, and so uh, the shofar uh, is the key symbol uh, during uh, this 40 days, it's an appointed time on God's calendar. And the shofar is uh, uh, a trumpet. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion, the prophet Joel said in Joel chapter 2. And it's to awaken us from any spiritual slumber during this season because judgment is coming. And not all judgment has to be bad. There can be good judgment or bad judgment. Who wants a good judgment rendered on your life, which leads to more blessing and breakthrough? Uh, And one of the key spiritual acts during this 40-day season is the act of teshuvah. Say that word, Hebrew word, teshuvah. That means to return. So the shofar, this 40-day season, is a call to return to God. Amen. If our priorities have got out of whack, if we're off course, if we're not doing uh, all the things to take care of our Father's business, then return. Amen. Teshuvah. Come on back. Sometimes return means to repent. OMG. <laughs> uh, and uh, he's, he's wanting us, the Lord, to uh, always examine our priorities. So that we're sure that our life and our activities are lining up with the Bible. And this is where it dovetails with biblical citizenship. God is saying that during this season, it's better that you judge yourself rather than wait for the heavenly court to judge you. (laughs) Amen? And we'll talk about that. And so this is no coincidence uh, that concerning spiritual matters... Uh, The great sages in all of Jewish history teach that uh, some of the important topics that come up uh, in these uh, chapters in Deuteronomy in this Torah study this week, they they relate to Elul. No coincidence, they relate to the shofar. Uh, And all of these questions that come up pertaining to our purpose. 
Our purpose isn't just to support Jeff Bezos. <laughs> our, our priorities, our priorities are uh, more than just chasing the almighty dollar. We chase the almighty God. <laughs> and our principles, what are our principles? A uh, good time to review those things. And so it's all wrapped up in this teaching we're calling biblical citizenship and how God describes biblical citizenship. Uh, we got born again in 1984, and since that time, uh, uh, especially in leadership, uh, we've come to recognize that the church seems to be a collection of people that have different values and beliefs, even though we all call ourselves Christians. We have different opinions. We vote differently. We're, we're, our biblical worldview sometimes is very different. Some very liberal, some very conservative. And so part of the Christian journey is to discover what God's standards are and abide by those. That's the safe bet. Don't put your money in a, a, a risky situation. Well, somebody said, well, if you're relying on what Oprah said <laughs> or Dr. Phil they might hit the mark once in a while and be right once in a while. Even what Mama said. Mama might not have known the Bible the way you and I know the Bible or are supposed to know the Bible. 20, 30, 40 years ago, we ought to know more today. And, uh, and so this concept of biblical citizenship uh, Paul uh, speaks about this in Ephesians 2. You can go to Ephesians 2.12, look that up. E uh, Philippians 3.20. Uh, there's a, a teaching and reference to our citizenship is in heaven. Okay, so there's your priority. You know, if you went to a sorority or a fraternity... Your citizenship, your values, your beliefs are not meant to follow the sorority or the fraternity. There may be some things that overlap, but what the sorority says doesn't override what God says. Are we okay with that? Because why? The Bible, our citizenship is in heaven. It, it's good that if you're Irish, hallelujah. Right? If, uh, uh, if you're Asian, praise the Lord. If your culture uh, uh, is from a distant place, amen, honor that, celebrate that. If you're from the Caribbean, if you're white, if you're black, whatever nationality or, or, or race you are, you can honor that and celebrate that. However, there's a little asterisk there. You don't celebrate the culture that you came out of if it contradicts the Word of God. Because you're now a citizen of heaven. You've been bought with the price, the price of the blood of Jesus. You're now a believer in the Most High God. And your higher priority is what does God say? And a lot of times that's spiritual warfare because you live in a state of mind with certain attitudes and opinions, your upbringing, your allegiances, and all of a sudden you become a Christian and somebody says your allegiances need to be reprioritized. And all of it here... Your flesh doesn't, isn't interested in reprioritizing things to fall in line with the Word of God. Your flesh will pout about it. <laughs> Jesus said the Spirit is willing, 
right? You're a citizen. Hallelujah. But now when the rubber meets the road and suddenly what the sorority says or what the fraternity says or what your old church said that is rooted in doctrines of men rather than the power of the living Word of God, conflict. Jesus doesn't heal anymore. There's no such thing as miracles anymore. There'll be churches preaching that today. And then you come to New Beginnings and now I've got all of these conflicts going on. Why am I so unsettled? Why is my spirit not at peace? Because the Holy Spirit is working in us to root out and scour out all those negative things that aren't good for your spiritual health. So we're citizens of heaven. And our allegiance, I pledge of allegiance to the Lamb of God. And to the spiritual and biblical values for which He stands. Right? Not every church wants to talk about this today. Not every pulpit is going to cover that kind of teaching today. I'm okay, you're okay. (laughs) So being a good citizen means that uh, uh, you spend your life here on earth learning and upholding the responsibilities, the rights, the freedoms, the promises that God lays out in the Bible. And that's a full-time job. And 60 years later, you're still working on it. (laughs) But that's just, you know, that's how we roll. And God is speaking this study to individuals, but also to a nation. And we'll try to touch on both here this morning. See, America and Israel are the only two nations in history ever to factor in biblical citizenship into its national purpose. No other nation. England, as good as they are, and even though they lost the World Cup to Spain last night, (laughs) they're a monarchy. You know, different nations have gone through a dozen constitutions. New people get elected and let's uh, tear up the old constitution and uh, write a new one. Uh, But we're the only two nations, Israel and America, that have ever been founded as one nation under God. And from the beginning, it was our founding fathers who were believers, by and large, the vast majority of the founding fathers, uh, they decided there wouldn't be a separation of church and state. No, 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 no. We need to to have the church and the state closely linked together because each has to have a set of values. And the last thing we want is a government like the government we left over in Europe that was putting people in bondage, gave us no rights and no freedoms, and we had to worship a state church exactly the way they told us to worship, and we weren't free in that regard and many regards. So... uh, This has been the goal of Israel, the goal of America for all these years, all these decades, all these centuries is to um, smartly incorporate our faith and our biblical values into everyday life and everyday government. Now, not everybody likes the sounds of that, especially if you don't like God. If you don't like the Bible and you don't like God, and you don't like church folk, you don't like this message. (laughs) Well, you're trying to legislate morality. Well, what are you trying to do? (laughs) It's either going to be your morality or God's morality. 
I've lived under both moralities, personally. I've experienced both moralities. And uh, how many of you would agree with me, God's morality is the best morality? And that also means that we need to elect leaders to represent us who share the same commitments. They have the same loyalties. Why do you want people making laws and creating culture and society that hate what you love? Why do you want them in power? Why do you want them making laws? It, it just it confuses me how people don't see that. And then we just, well, mama did it, grandma did it that way, I do it that way. Never give it any thought. Just pull the lever, straight ticket. Secular, humanist, antichrist ticket. But I thought you were a believer. Do you ever ask questions? What, what does this group believe? What is their platform? What are their policies? And do they line up with the Bible? Now, no one's perfect. But, you know, if, if nine out of ten things are like, OMG, can you believe that kind of stuff? I would never allow that kind of stuff in my house, and yet you put the person in power. And now they're, that woman, that man, they're making rules that you have to live by, and all of a sudden, instead of being free, So today's study says, and this is uh, Deuteronomy 16, 18. It says, appoint judges and officials for yourselves. And it just goes on and uh, there's lots more to read. But for the sake of time, that's the key. Appoint judges and officials for yourself. And this has two meanings. It has a physical and natural side, and it has a spiritual side. Everything that God does has a heavenly and an earthly. But no matter either way you look at it, it's a snapshot of God calling His people to a level of biblical citizenship. The entire Bible's a manual for biblical citizenship, both for a family, a mom, a dad, a single man, single woman, whoever it is, but also as leaders. Leaders appointed to govern, God says, need to abide by a code of ethics. Certain standards. And those standards aren't derived from the mind of men. Those standards are derived from the mind of God, the heart of God. And so, uh, there's a teaching in, in here that has some unusual phrasing. In this opening verse... Uh, it states that we're to appoint. We could say today you, you're, you're to vote for judges and officials, president, governor, representative, sheriff, school board member, whoever you're voting for, you're to do it for yourself. What does that mean? Appoint. Judges and officials for yourself. Spiritually speaking, uh, this becomes a message and an admonishment not just to the leaders, uh, but to each believer. For yourself. You as a believer in the Most High God need to have values and standards for yourself. And they're based on the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And so, 
you know, this happens, as we explained, during the 40 days of the shofar, which started on Friday night. And the shofar is the trumpet call. God is sounding the alarm and saying, Scott, child of God, woman of God, man of God, take an inventory of how you're living your life and make sure it's based on the Bible because that's the rock on which you need to stand. All other things are sinking sand. There's a fascinating take on this from a a rabbi, uh, Rabbi Simka, who says, uh, this is uh, the translation, make for yourself judges and police before you go and make judgments about other people, judge yourself first. As the sages taught in the Talmud, first correct yourself and only then correct others. I dare say uh, most of us get that reversed. (laughs) What ministry are you in, brother? I'm in the rock-throwing ministry. But isn't that what the Lord Himself said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7? You can turn over there in verse 3, Matthew 7, 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Oops. (laughs) I took a whooping on that one. So, So what do we do with that? We gotta, we gotta incorporate that into our mindset and our worldview. That the judging and the policing begins at home. And we're not out there in the finger pointing, rock throwing ministry, judging everybody else and letting ourselves off the hook. We're, we throw the book at everybody else and then we're lenient towards ourselves. We judge everybody else by how they do it, but we judge ourselves by how we intended to do it. Well, I meant to do it that way, so give me a pass. So the Lord's expecting some things out of us. Just not live any way you want until he returns. That's a dangerous mindset. Well, you don't have to do anything. You can be however you want to be. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to just love you and love you and love you. Oh, okay. All right. You're rolling the dice. You're playing the roulette wheel, huh? Las Vegas Jesus. I serve Las Vegas Jesus. We're supposed to be involved with that. And, you know, uh, there's different ways that God will help us with that. Sometimes situations will come up and we realize, oh, no, I can't believe I kicked the dog like that. Oh my gosh, I I can't believe I'm the worst gossip of all. And look, there's a big long laundry list. And it's up to you to know what the laundry list is. And uh, not everything on the laundry list is your business. But there's usually a couple things that really fit you and they fit me. And our job is to be self-aware enough to begin to countermanage those things. Lord, I need your help on this one. And by judging your own behavior, repenting of uh, bad behavior, and correcting that behavior... 
is how you avoid negative judgment. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Well, what's the trumpet? It's to wake us up. And, and to realize that this just isn't some cutesy little thing. Oh, you're just a nice little Christian. Oh, such a cute little baby. No, we're, we're meant to, we come in as babies, and we desire the sincere milk of the word. But also, are you still on milk? You haven't learned how to be a citizen of heaven? We still got to go back through the kindergarten stuff? Grow up, Christian! That's God's call to grow up, mature, develop. And look, it doesn't have to be, this can be condemning. Especially when you realize, what have you done for the Lord in these areas over the past five years? Nothing. Well, okay. Yeah, that would hurt then. Because the truth can hurt. Doesn't have to hurt. It can be motivating and inspiring. Man, I'm sure glad somebody laid this out for me so I know how the thing works. Here's God's blueprint. Follow the blueprint and your life works better and you avoid negatives. In Matthew 7, 1, it's, Jesus said, refuse to be a critic full of bias towards others and judgment will not be passed on you. That's a pretty cool promise. Well, there's nothing I have to do. Well, what about that? You got to stop. You got to learn to refuse to be the critic. I am the officially appointed captain of the universe. <laughs> Whatever I think has to happen, and that's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Oh, oh, it is. Ah. Well, see, Jesus says, if you get into that kind of mindset where you're just finger-pointing and rock-throwing every chance you get, you're in danger of judgment. But if you begin to modify your approach, countermanage that urge and that feeling to hit everyone, I, got some, I brought a pile of rocks with me to church. Boy, just just say one thing, sucker. Boom! <laughs> oh, okay. Nice little Christian feeling there. 1 Corinthians 11.31. Let's talk about this. If we evaluate and judge ourselves honestly, recognizing our shortcomings and correcting our behavior... We will not be judged. I like that. I don't have to wait for the judge to get involved. I have the Word and the Spirit of God to work in me. I have seasons on God's divine calendar, uh, like the, the 40 days of the shofar, uh, to remind me, to wake me up. Hey, Scotty! Right? The complete Jewish Bible says that you are to appoint judges and officers for all your gates, for yourselves, for all your gates. And this is an interesting version because uh, ancient wisdom uh, teaches that uh, metaphorically, this means to put a guard on the gates of your eyes. So they don't, your eyes won't lead you astray. Because you'd be looking at the wrong things, right? You're looking at life the wrong way. You're looking at what a Christian is and isn't in the wrong way. Put a guard at the gates of your eyes. And then it goes on to put a guard on your ears. Right? To protect you from the wrong input. Right? 
And then finally put a guard on your mouth. Because uh, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And it can safeguard you. Especially in this context against being the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. No, he's the judge. And if anything, let's judge ourselves. Why worry about the piece of, uh, of lint in your neighbor's eye when you got a gigantic log that came out of the redwood forest in your eye? <laughs> yeah. So we all, we all have uh, uh, these things to think about. Okay? So in these last few minutes... Let's pivot to the physical, the earthly application. Deuteronomy 16, 18, Judges and officers shall you appoint. Now, in ancient wisdom, this all goes into teaching on the foundations or the divine principles for creating a godly society. This is where Christians misunderstand the law. I'm not under the law. Well, so you're not a law-abiding citizen? Or are you a law-abiding citizen? We, need, we don't have time to get into all of that, but under the law is not talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm not under the Ten Commandments anymore. Anybody, I've heard, I've heard with my own ears watching Christian television pastors say, if you try to follow the Ten Commandments, you're negating grace and getting into witchcraft. You actually said that? Wait, you just didn't say that. They don't understand God's law because there's been... 18, 1900 years of replacement theology. God's laws are bad, grace is good. No, God's laws are good and grace is good. (laughs) And some of the keys that God gives here in summary that uh, Israel is going to be a nation built on the rule of law. God's law. Not Pharaoh's law, not some monarch or king's law. Whatever whim he has or decides, uh, it's God's law. Based on God's word. And judges and officials, elected officials, need to be of the highest integrity. So that God's laws are instituted, implemented, and equally applied. When there's different opinions from politicians and judges and officials, guess who gets the final say? Not the one that has the most PAC money and dark money and bank account in their campaign account. Or who has the the news media on their side. They don't get the final say. In, In God's society, they don't. God gets the final say. And the king, the president, the elected official can't be a stranger. What the Bible says. Can't be a stranger from another nation. Can't be a stranger from another kingdom. See, this is where biblical citizens, you're recognizing uh, the voice that, that they have and the policies that they represent, they're, they're strange to me. They're, they're coming from a different kingdom, not from the kingdom of heaven. I can see that's not from the kingdom of heaven. So pursuing the appointment of righteous leaders who will uphold God's standards is critical. Always was, always will be. Because if there's a deviation to God's blueprint, social chaos. Amen. 
when Israel was being formed as a nation, uh, the, the first uh, prime minister, David Ben-Gurion, uh, posed the following question to uh, the various leaders, religious leaders, rabbis in, in Israel at that time. And he asked this question, how does a modern secular state coexist with the religious community? Uh, which bases its existence on different values and different laws. So Israel, 1948, Ben-Gurion, and he's, okay, how do we do this? How do we make this work? And one of the rabbis responded by saying, uh, any conflict between Israel's political and religious communities should be resolved based on this teaching. When two camels meet at a narrow ledge, we must look which of the two have been traveling longer and bearing a greater burden. He said this analogy applies to the religious community. That the state should therefore step aside and respect those values that we've been carrying for thousands of years. That's wisdom, isn't it? It's saying that God's word and by extension God's people have the top priority when values collide. The state is not the highest authority. The government is not the high, and they hate that. Now we all need to do Rodney King. Can't we all just get along? <laughs> well, we'll try. But it's the state that should be yielding to the values of the Judeo-Christian community. Why? Because that's how we were founded. One nation under God. We've been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years. We haven't done it perfectly. We've made our mistakes. We're trying to correct those mistakes. And if the people in charge aren't correcting those mistakes, then let's elect and appoint people that will try to correct those mistakes. But it's not a separation of church and state. And this is why in Deuteronomy 17.15, you can turn over there, Deuteronomy 17.15, be sure to appoint the king... Yahweh, your Elohim, will choose. Yahweh will speak to you about who you should choose. But here's the criteria. He must be one of your own people. Two kinds of people in this world. Believers and non-believers. He must be one of your people, a believer. Never let a foreigner be king because he's not one of your people. Never let a non-believer be your king, be your president, be your governor, be your this, be your that. Why? Because they have different values. They don't respect God. They don't care about the Bible. And sometimes they'll lie about it. Oh, I go to church. Well, if going to church makes you a believer, then maybe going to McDonald's makes you a French fry. In other words, God is laying it out here. Make sure your leaders, your rulers, uh, share your biblical worldview. And during this time, let's examine our worldview view what what do we really believe what do we really stand for and how do we vet it through the word of god uh, what uh, you know we're talking here uh, uh, about things that that upset people but you have to understand powerful secular groups are trying to cancel out our freedom to worship our right to believe judeo christianity should be the guiding light for america one nation under god 
Anti-God people don't like that. They know we're one nation under God. They know that's how it was founded. They knew and know what the founders believed. All the writings are out there. You can read what the finder, founders uh, believe. But they're not interested in coming into uh, harmony with what the founders believe. They're trying to discredit and defame what the founders believe. And they're extremist and secular Secular, non-Christian, secular people trying to influence our population to believe a lie. Let's rewrite history. Change the history books. That'll, that'll teach them. Question the validity and the, the legality of America. Once they do that, then all the documents that guarantee you certain inalienable rights will vanish. You've already seen the cancel culture. You've seen government colluding with social media to suppress opinions. You've seen that. It's documented. Now maybe the channel that you watch or the articles that you read don't tell you that. But Mark Zuckerberg... And Jack Dorsey, the guy that used to run Twitter, and all the people they hired don't want free speech. They don't want you to assemble and talk about Jesus and talk about the Bible. That's why during the pandemic, they would allow people to go to the liquor store and go gamble all their money. But you can't go to church. And if you do, we'll sue you. And they did. And then I just read this weekend, they're getting ready to relaunch this whole thing again. Uh, some, some whistleblower from the TSA said, I got the memo. They're ready to reinstitute uh, uh, COVID mandates. Must wear a mask. Must get a vaccine. Must do this. Must do that. Can't go here. Can't do that. You could, go, you could go to the home improvement store to improve your house, buy some paint, but you, you couldn't go to the church to improve yourself. Who are these people? <laughs> they're not biblical citizens. I'm sorry. If you believe they're biblical citizens, I got a bridge in uh, Arizona. I want to sell you. A bridge to nowhere. What's the goal? Change it from one nation under God to one nation under government. That's why judges and leaders. Do, do, do you know? You see the thing with judges now, where they, you know, there's Democrat judges, Republican judges, and all the uh, the prosecutors and district attorneys and special counsel. They they try to handpick which judge to bring the case to because they know they're all on the take. They all believe the way I want. I've predetermined some things and I need a judge to co-sign for what I want to happen. Well, what happened to don't take a bribe, Mr. Judge, Mrs. Judge? What happens to be fair and impartial, Mrs. Judge, Mr. Judge? Well, if you don't abide by thou shalt not bear false witness if you think one of the ten commandments is folly and foolishness and you can now that i got power i'll do whatever i please oh okay and it just amazes me the church stays home and doesn't vote or many in the church uh, follow, like Pastor Troy uh, t- showed me and I actually uh, uh, had a video when we went through Black History Month how different pastors are paid paid to follow a particular political persuasion 
Pastor Troy just said, you know, there's a church here in Dallas where the pastor, he, he had his church as a polling place, and he would go out when people were lining up to vote and say, this is only for people that vote a certain way. If you're coming here to vote a different way, get out of line and get off my property. And he called the sheriff. <laughs> Do you know what's going on? And the sheriff, well, oh, you're in on it too. The closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more intense this is going to get. It's called birth pangs. You know, uh, uh, sufferings. And Christians and Jews are spending our time, you and I, doing good, spending our time preparing the world for the coming of the Lord. Good job. Hallelujah. But there's another crowd. The Antichrist crowd. The anti-Bible crowd. Guess who they're preparing the world for? They're preparing the world for the coming of the Antichrist. And many of them know it. Now we're starting to learn that a lot of these people pushing some of this weird stuff are Satanists. It's all coming out now. Oh, so you want little uh, 12-month-old babies to celebrate uh, 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 their new gender identity. Why are you making clothes for a 12-month-old that says that you're not a boy, you're a girl? Why are you doing that? Come on. The prophet Daniel had something to say about this. Talking about the Antichrist in Daniel 7.25. He will defy the Most High God and wear down the saints with persecution Why do we have to always talk about this? Because he is a roaring lion trying to kill and steal and destroy our beloved America. And all that's going to be necessary for them to triumph is for us to come to church, sit on our hands and sing Kumbaya. And finally, he will try to change all the laws. Daniel 7.25, your Bible, the spirit of Antichrist, will try to change all the laws. All the morals, it goes on, all the morals. All this LBGTQRST plus is morals. The Antichrist is trying to change the laws of the morals and the customs. That's why we don't elect people that come from a different kingdom. And as biblical citizens, we need to be aware of that. I mean, who would be against appointing biblically based Christian judges? Who would be against that? Who would be against supporting prayer in public school? Who would be against that? Who would be against posting the Ten Commandments on the walls of our public schools? Who who would be against that? Who would be against protecting an unborn baby and only giving rights to the woman? The baby doesn't have rights? Who would, who would be for alternative sexual lifestyles taught to little babies? Your grandbaby. And then have the audacity to say, we don't have to tell you as a parent nothing. And if you so much as raise an objection, we'll send the FBI out after you. Well, that would never... It's happening. Who would support legalizing pedophilia? 
minor they're changing the name now to minor attracted people because pedophilia stigmatizes that particular group and their sexual preferences so now we want to use a birthing people for women and there's even worse things that they're putting out there than birthing people and now minor attracted people Who, who would support that? Is there any party, any politician that say, no, 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 no. We don't roll that way. Sorry. That's a crime. You start touching innocent kids like that, that's a crime. And the biblical citizenship. Yeah. And look, we, I got a whole long list here, but we're running out of time. Why, do, why can't we just talk about love? Well, we did uh, last week or the week before. <laughs> so you can get the CD or go back and listen to We cover lots of topics. Today's topic was biblical citizenship. It just came up. It came up when the, God says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Gather an army. The king is coming. It's time for the church to get back to being the salt of the earth. Salt stops the decaying process. But when the salt loses its flavor, it's no good, and it will then be trampled under the foot of man. So when the church withdraws, we become weak. When the church rises up, we become strong. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. Amen? So as we blow the shofar and we heed this call to return to the Lord, uh, let's start with judging ourselves. I don't agree with Michael Jackson on a lot, but I do agree with his song, The Man in the Mirror. The Man in the Mirror. And let's uh, get back to in our fellowship, loving one another. One cross for all colors. We're not racially divided. We're not tribal. We respect our cultures and celebrate those things. Uh, I'm basically a mutt. <laughs> I, got, I, I had no cult. I had a drug and alcohol culture growing up. Now I got a Jesus culture. <laughs> That's who I, and that's who we all need to identify that. Becoming believing believers, Christ-like Christians, biblical citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Well, if you agree with that this morning, give the Lord a praise. Thank you for joining us by Zoom. We love you. God bless you. And have a great morning with Pastor Larry.